Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Well, guys, what is going on? This is Brian Sumner. Welcome back to the Foolishness Podcast. I don't even know how many episodes we've done so far. We are on lockdown. There's so much going on. I was down at the beach this morning. I think there's going to be a protest in Huntington. I don't know where you are, what is going on, but nonetheless, I've got a good, good, good friend of mine, and by that I mean I've known him at different stages of his life. I'm bringing him in 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 a moment. He's a pastor. I would say a theologian. He's definitely a Bible nerd. He's a father, a husband, and a good friend. Dave Johansson, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. I uh, I barely slept, and apparently they're locking down the beaches in Huntington. So I don't know if you've seen it on the news. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. freaking out. Yeah. So when I got up, I took my bike ride, uh, got a chai, helicopters, news, just part of um, life and Christianity. So Yeah, that's crazy, man. Pretty crazy. So you're what? You're out in Arizona? Yeah, we had a little protest a few weeks ago down at the Capitol. But then it got, hot out. <laughs> it got really hot out. It's like 104 today, so everyone stopped protesting. So the cops are like, just give them 20 more minutes and then we'll yeah. be done. And that was it. Basically, yeah. Well, the hard thing is, and I just did a prior episode where we didn't mean to talk about, you know, controversy and all the rest of it and all, everything else. Right. It was going to be more about marriage. But even the host with me were like, look, some people are freaking out paranoid. Some people are totally fine, nonchalant. And I just think it's smart, especially us. You know, I just hit 40. You're in your 30s, yeah? I just turned 30. Just day. turned 30. So I think we have a responsibility to pay attention to look for the signs of the times and never to fear. But so that's all going on. I know we've been meaning to connect for a while, but really today I wanted to allow you to jump into, you know, the text criticism you've jumped into, the studies you've done, uh, the years you've been in different Bible schools and planning a church and being a young man in the faith, even though you're probably older than the disciples were when Jesus called them. But just for those to listen today, we're going to unpack loads of that. But why don't we just start, because I always want to boast in this, um, how many times do I get messages from people who are like, Brian, if only I'd done this, if only I'd done that. And the reality is, Dane, you're a skateboarder that was taking photos, that was on some kind of a tour where we engaged, and now today you're sitting here pastoring a church and, right. and a family man with great people around you. So why don't you just take us back to where we met and where you were, and I'm saying all that to say, each of us has a testimony that needs to be used for the Lord. So, so where's the Dane I encountered like what, 10, 12, 15 years ago? That was something I think like 12 years ago. I think we, <laughs> we where were we? I think we, we met in California cause that's where you're, yeah, I mean, you're still living there. Yep. So that was, what was that? Like 2009, 2008, late 2008. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, late 2008. And I'd only been a Christian, what, like six months or something. And then there's you know, that was right before you got on Reliance, uh, yep. skateboards or whatever. And they, you know, uh, that was a still skate brand. Yeah. 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 That was still in the talk. Like, Oh, Brian Sumner might be on or whatever. And we're like, Oh, this guy's a Christian. And I thought that was crazy. Cause I remember I grew up like watching audio one step beyond on repeat and the Tony, the Tony Hawk gigantic skate park tour on. Repeat. Yeah. Like, you know, they're always like, Oh, Brian Sumner secret. Like, quietly kills the demos and everything and i was yeah. like this guy is gonna be on reliance so <laughs> i don't even a christian like six months you know and i came out of atheism i guess mm -hmm. you know what i mean i you know and 
my uh, biological mom stuff was a was a practicing Wiccan. She still wow. is Wiccan. So um, yeah, that wow. was kind of crazy. So you know, mm. I didn't I didn't grow up with any kind of religious basis at all. You know, I remember I think I was like ten or something. I asked uh, my parents. I said, "Why don't we go to church?" And because <laughs> the kind friends, of thing a ten year old asks, right? Right, right. Because right. all because <laughs> all of our friends, like in the you know all her PTA moms and all the kids I was going to school with, were all Catholic mm. and. Um, I was like, why, why don't we go to church? You know, everyone wow. else does. And the uh, answer I got was, well, do you want more homework? And I was like, well, no, that sucks. I mean, so. it's smart to say, but yeah, that's not what you yeah. get. Normally coloring a couple of pictures of Noah's Ark or some fish and loaves isn't that bad of a homework. Right, right. But you weren't atheist like you opposed God. You just didn't think about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I opposed them. You know what I mean? For sure. Really? <clears throat> so yeah, you were I mean, obviously we're in rebellion anyway, but right, right. and and to explain to people because even people in England, when you say Wiccan, what do you mean? What does that mean to someone who doesn't know? I mean, it's it's a dabbling in the occult and basically like what you know you could they even call themselves witches, white like, witchcraft basically, right? right? They're right, good, right? They think they're good, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're practicing stuff that gets kind of sketchy, <laughs> obviously. And like you and I have talked a lot about supernatural stuff, and yeah, I there's a I, I for sure believe there's a supernatural aspect to it where you mm-hmm. know, lying, lying signs and wonders from the devil. Yeah. It gets, it gets crazy, man. So I grew be, up in that. Yeah. So be, because we had Stephen Bancars on about 10 or so episodes ago, yeah. you know, and that just took off and why, because you've got the new age, you've got the occult, you've got this astral projection, you've got all the rest. But yeah. if you were on a plane right now or hanging out in Liverpool somewhere talking to someone from England, they would way more rather have a conversation with you about, witchcraft and Wiccan in the Bible, they would think right. you're a fool for reading this book and following the church and the rest. Because yeah. in America, the Wiccan way is kind of this positive witchcraft and it's spelled, it isn't like a Satanism where they're just like, do as they will. It's only about man's will, kind of like the true Hellenist. It's really Wiccan witchcraft practices, willing things to be. And if we're honest, it's kind of stemmed over in the culture, speaking to the universe in making the created worship the creator. So you're around this. Did you see a positive in it at all? Or did, was it negative or you just didn't think about it? I mean, it was, it was kind of a weird dichotomy because I was an atheist. I didn't believe in any kind of God or supernatural <laughs> stuff, but there was still like a spiritual aspect. I mean, I, like my personal view now, like is, is, you know, I don't think anyone's a true atheist. Everyone knows that God exists. You know, they just resist him. They rebel against him. So they can mm-hmm. say all they want as yeah. fools in their heart that there is no God. But as Romans one tells us, the mm-hmm. creation itself declares mm-hmm. to them their uh, God's divine God, yeah. you know that, that He is the Creator, that He's the Lord of all, mm-hmm. and it's that they resist that knowledge, they suppress that knowledge, but they're without excuse. Yeah, Romans so one anyway, twenty, I mean, right? So people can say they're an atheist and and whatever, and I that's what I said I was, and you know I, I hated people talking about Jesus, I hated people talking about God or whatever, and you know, I was I was doing drugs and stuff, but I wasn't like a drug addict or anything. I, like just getting uh, stoned or what? Yeah, just, yeah, just that kind of stuff. And I'm was like, that was, because of a skate influence? Were you just watching the magazines and seeing, yeah. and just the friends you were around, like go have some beers, go maybe get stoned? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, that's probably that's probably where it came from. I mean, I was pretty against it, um, even when I was like you know 16 or whatever. I think 16 is when I started like getting high and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, you know. Prior prior to that, all my friends were like uh, doing it and stuff. And I had some friends that got into like ecstasy and stuff and they became completely different people. They stopped skateboarding and stuff. So skateboarding for me was everything. That was my God. That was my world. That's your religion. Right, exactly. And so I was like, 
if this is going to take you away from skateboarding, I don't want anything to do with it. You mm-hmm. know? But as like things progressed, I ended up dropping out of high school. I, I totaled my car. I had nothing, I had nowhere to go. Um, you know, I had to rely on all my friends and everything. So if they were just getting high, smoking pot, yeah, I might as well too. So, so yeah. then you're skating and then you were living where at the time? I was just living at home, but I mean, I was. But in what's in, in Arizona? Yeah, in Arizona, yeah, yeah. And so at this time, the King of Kings Skateboard Ministry or some skate ministry comes yeah. through town. It was the King of Kings Skateboard Ministry, which was based <laughs> out of Chandler, Arizona. You remember that? Yeah. So and so they were based out of Chandler, Arizona, and so through skateboarding, you know, I was never like the best skateboarder or whatever. I was okay, but um, you know, my <laughs> thing was, you know, if I can't be real good at skateboarding, I'll I'll film and shoot photos of people, and so I. Which you know, skaters kind of, need, and it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really fun. So, you know, photography became a, a passion of mine, and mm-hmm. so that was kind of my end to hang out with, with you know, all these people. I remember I went shooting with Jeremy Rogers and P-Rod once uh, when they came into town somehow. Wow, when they were on, like, the All-Stars or whatever. It was the, the way back then. Yeah, it was, like, 2007. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember there was, like, the Menace team, and there was, like, City Stars or something, and they were little groms. Yeah, I think it went was out like to that little rail. Yeah, I think it was Plan B, right when they. Like, okay, wow. So, so, so P Rod was pretty like much at the top of his game. Okay. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I should say that, but I mean, he's because he's still amazing now. I saw a thing the other day where he did a switchback Smith switchback three sixty out. Yeah, I yeah, like, okay, I seen it after being hurt for so long. Yeah, he's very he skates right. regular, but he thinks he's goofy. Right. And he just has that much control. But right. so that's going on, and then how do you connect with? Because just for people listening. Yeah. When you look at the influence skate ministry has had, you know, from whether it's the Paul Andersons and the Tim Burns, and of course, you know, like the Judd Heels and all the rest of people oh, yeah. we know, um, the Tim Mackeys came out of that. You know what I mean? In a way, skate ministry, me coming to faith and seeing it was like, well, wait a minute. If these guys are going around sharing the gospel, doing what Jesus did, mm-hmm. even though some pro skaters within culture like wouldn't dare go do that because they feel like right. it's the God squad and they want to be in the secular realm, I get it. Christian skate ministry still in the secular realm who came through town or did you, did you connect with them at a skate park or yeah. was there an event? Yeah, I connected with them at a skate park, you know, uh, obviously people knew about, you know, Chris Weigel and all these people, yeah. that, that were coming, you know, when, cause Chris lived here in town and then Zach would, would come into town and he lived here for a bit too. Yep. And, you know, they would, uh, they'd be at the skate park or whatever. And obviously at that point I had kind of become this like, you know, the guy out in the East Valley who shot photos or whatever. Yeah. And bought all this equipment and, you know, I was published in a couple of magazines, some photos like in, I guess, mm-hmm. somewhere up there. You've got them up on the wall over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a couple. <laughs> Behind your massive yeah. book selection. I keep yeah. wanting to like to put all these like kids books behind me and random books so that when I show off my book collection, because I think all oh, mine are over here, but it or just draw stuff on the wall. I think this is like my daughter's art right here. And that's cool. pottery. So no, I got all my books over here. But so yeah, that's your I remember them saying my buddy Dane, my buddy Dane. And then you got invited to go on the road, right? To, yeah, to so, shoot so photos and film. Yeah. So I would shoot photos with these guys. And I, I mean, I knew they were Christian. They would talk about Jesus and stuff. And you know, I just kind of thought that was pushing down my throat or whatever. But at the same time, I was like, but these guys are like the best skateboarders. Yeah, they're awesome. They're right. fun. So they're like, respectful, loving. Yeah, right, right. So I was like, it's fine. You know, I don't like Christians, but like these guys are cool because they can, you know, nolly hard flip over stuff. So that's oh, they're, they're talented. Yeah, <laughs> right. So they got a pass. Um, and then finally, I mean, it was like right around the same time that, you know, I had dropped out of high school in my mm-hmm. senior year and was just kind of hitting rock bottom over and over. 
And, uh, you know, they were sharing Jesus and they were praying for me all the time behind the scenes. Wow. They would, they would call me to go shoot photos. And I thought it was just because how good I was at shooting photos, which of course they wanted photos, but also <laughs> they wanted to share the gospel with me. So yeah. I mean, I'm, a, I'm eternally grateful to, you know, all those guys because they shared yeah. Jesus Christ with me. They, sh- they preach the gospel, Davey, John Kite, you know, all these people. Yeah. I mean, Elijah, you have Luke Braddock. And I mean, even you just yeah. said Davey. Davey, we had on a few episodes yeah. ago. Yeah. Chris Weigel lives out here. You know, my son sees him all the time. And Diesel is always yeah, around. Yeah. I did their marriage. I did their ceremony. So yeah. so what was the moment, though, coming to faith? Like, you're this, not Wiccan, of course, but you're just like, whatever, I don't believe in God. Was it this continual hearing it? Did you yeah. did you already go to events and hear them proclaiming the gospel and go, okay, I guess, did you know what the gospel was? I mean, they had shared it with me multiple times when we go out, you know, skateboarding and shooting photos or whatever. And, you know, I would ask, I would ask questions and things like that. But, you know, the, those seeds were planted for sure. But uh, they did a, they did a, they finally did an event because they would invite me to a couple events that they did out in Arizona. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to your demo because I know what will happen. Yeah. Um, and so finally, finally I went um, to uh, this event they did out in Peoria at Thunderbird Skate Park where they used to hold the Phoenix Am before they built this new park. Yeah. And uh, they did an event there, a demo, and then shared the gospel. And I remember going to it, being like, I'm going to try this Jesus stuff out. Like before I even got there, I'm like, I'm going to do the prayer and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to try Jesus out. But isn't that the name of one of your account books? Try this Jesus stuff out. (laughs) Didn't you just offend every reformed person with that theology? But listen, this is relevant people to understand when you come to faith, you're going to go try this Jesus stuff out. I like it. Go yeah. on. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, and just a side comment as a reformed person now, I mean, you, you know, you can yeah, get into that's Calvinism. why I'm saying it. Right, right. You can get into Calvinism and all that stuff. And I think that's the, the correct biblical view and everything. And I, mm-hmm. I, think, I think you're kind of on the same page, right? So it's, uh, you know, at least to a degree, you know, I'm probably more. No, I get it. I listen to all the reformers. I'm way more conservative than a lot of stuff. I just yeah. don't try and say, here's the exact route. And I get the system. And, you know, we love all those. I love all those conversations. If you're more reformed, I'm going to challenge you the other way. If you're more open, I'm going to challenge you to the more reformed. I just want to dissect like almost the old rabbis would. Well, well yeah. And, oh. and so my, my purpose in bringing that up was to say like from, from a human perspective, we yeah. are the ones that choose. We yeah. think we're the ones that choose from, from yeah. our So that's why we preach the gospel to people as yeah. a Calvinist. You should preach the gospel even more because. Because Dane was going there to try this right. Jesus stuff out. Right. Exactly. Which I believe is God, you know, drawing me. Enabling you to try it out. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> to try it out. Yeah. yeah. So, so you went to try it out at this yeah. event, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, and please so, don't please don't invite people to the altar to try this out. Anyone, give yeah. it a try. You'll hear these these altar things. Give it a try. I'm like, we're not trying Jesus. I mean, we're sowing seeds, but He right, does right. the work. So you go and you have this moment, and what happens? So they they, sh- they do their thing. They share the gospel, or whatever, and then call people. <laughs> I forget it was it was Chris preaching. Yeah, yep. Chris was preaching, and so then they do the altar call or whatever. And then I'm like I'm like whatever. I'm gonna try the Jesus stuff out. So I, I go up. I say the prayer. And then they were like, yes, Dane, you know, or whatever. They're so excited. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, all right, calm down. You know, but mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, all right, I'm going to really give this a, a go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so. But you, got, you gotta, you gotta back this up. Cause now if, um, oh, I've taught Friel, here's this, or if some of these guys out there, and I love these guys, but yeah. they think what you're saying is someone said, come and pray a prayer. And that's all you did. Mm-hmm. That's not what the ministries we were part of was. It was very specifically, you might be there for 10, 15, 20 minutes at the end of an oh, event yeah. and you're yeah. sharing your story. I know it's not your story, but that is the work God did. The woman at the well did go and say, here's what this man told me about my life. So 
that led to, and even when they came back to the woman, I was just reading this last night, how they said that we don't follow now because of you, but because of this man. So that yeah. testimony can lead you, but of course. knowing Chris, he unpacked the Bible, mm-hmm. the gospel, Corinthians 15, talked about sin, talked about life, death, resurrection, and even to go fair to this kingdom mindset of guys, this is free now right. because of what's been purchased. So you heard all this. What was the verse though? What was the, was there something that got a hold of you that you just, why? And, that, and that's, part of, that's part of my testimony because that night I really was just thinking I was trying it out or whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't think I, I don't think I understood half of what I was hearing or whatever. Basically, in my mind, I was like, I, I have nothing yeah. you know, in myself. I, I, I don't have any joy. I'm not having a good time. These guys who you know, I look up to who are great skateboarders, super nice guys, are mm-hmm. happy, they're joyful, they're all the stuff. I'm a, I want what they have, basically. Yeah. I know for a fact I did not get saved that night. I prayed mm-hmm. the prayer of salvation, all that kind of stuff, which, you know, it's okay, Todd. You know, I didn't, I don't believe in the prayer of salvation that just immediately saves you. We're joking. Yeah. 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 So I, um, I like these accountability guys, you know, I'd rather be accountable than not. So yeah, Todd, good to go. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I know the gospel's so serious. I consider it a big deal. I've had so many people show up and say this, say that, and they're hoping you like, figure out what that means. And that could mean God is one and all these religions lead you to the same place. That's not what Christianity teaches. So go away. And then what begins to happen? So, so Chris, you know, preaches a hard gospel, like the true gospel, you know I mean? He doesn't pull any punches. So anyway, they then invite (laughs) me, they invite me to go on tour with them to shoot photos. And Chris's dad, who was the, you know, guy in charge of the ministry or whatever, was like, there's no way that like kid who is, who would lay stoned and drunk on my floor. Like when you guys would bring him home with you is going mm-hmm. on tour with you. And basically they were like, he's going on tour with us. There's nothing you can do about it. And they're like, all right, you better. And so, you know, Rick said to, to Chris, he goes, you make sure that kid's a Christian when he gets back. Rick Weigel, who's the yeah, fire yeah. chief that took yeah. on the ministry with yeah. Darren Wells. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so, so you go on tour and we're going to go this route then. Okay. Yeah. So I go on tour, you know, and like they, they, I think it was probably a month into tour. We were in New Orleans. I, I know I got saved then. And like, it was just one night they, they had taken away my iPod from me. Because <laughs> you're listening to rap. Yeah. You're listening yeah, to rap. Was, yeah. Okay. So I remember Chris and all them, they just had like an intervention. They're like, no more. And I was like, you guys are the worst. The drums are too loud in this music. <laughs> right. So they gave me a little thing of hymns and I was getting, um, but they gave me like a thing that had a bunch of like sermon jams. You remember sermon jams? They of course. IPod, they, they switched out my iPod. For With one Paul Washer. Was Paul Washer oh, on yeah. it? Oh, yeah. And But the one was Ravi Zacharias. Remember that one, like his one called Lord? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the rising and falling of empires behind mm-hmm. all of this. Or the so it's preaching with dramatic music. Yeah, yeah. But it does. It is the truth. You're hearing scripture. So here you go. Okay. So it was Ravi Zacharias. I'm listening to this thing outside of this church we were staying at that had a skate park in New Orleans at like, I don't know, like one in the morning. Yeah. We just raged all night, you know, hanging out, partying, not partying, but like Christian partying. We're having yeah, hanging out, talking to everyone who ever shows up. Yeah. Right, right. And so I was out there listening to this thing and I just, I remember listening to it. And at the end of it, I was just like, oh, okay. Like I'm a Christian. So, and, and you just knew you yeah. were just like, I get it. And that's, yeah. The truth is your eyes are open. You see it. John three, Nicodemus, you cannot see this lest you're born again. Even again, to reference the woman at the well, she saw that he was a prophet. He mentioned the five husbands, but he challenged her with the living water and he affirmed who he was. I am he and her eyes were open. So that begins and you have these experiences and it's all going. And so I end up at the time of writing for Birdhouse, you know, and I'm this guy who's like, I've got to figure out my marriage, what's happening. And I just see all these guys on tour and doing various things. And I just thought, 
well, if they're out doing this, I want to go and do what God's called me to do. Right. And so I ended up quitting a load of sponsors. I, I'm not saying that's what people have got to do, right. but I was married, needed to get my marriage restored. I couldn't just be going all over the world doing whatever just to film. Yeah. So I would go places for events, get flown in sometimes, speak, do whatever. And through that, we've seen all these guys now years and years later. But for you, you're shooting the photos, you're going on tour, and then you had this kind of season where you were done and you were like, what's my identity? What's next, right? Because you'd left home in a sense and you connected with your now dad, right? And your family and where you live and all this stuff. So how do you go from skate? And I'm saying this just so people realize how powerful skate ministry is like any ministry. Right. right. You know, so you're doing this and how do you navigate going from this to like being crazy in the language and Greek and Hebrew and just nerding out? Like, like what, what happens? I mean, to cut that long story short. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, we went on tour. They, it was like constant discipleship and Mm -hmm. Bible study and stuff. Anyway, you get home from tour it's supposed to just be a quick break and end up being you know a forever break yeah um, but um, <laughs> kind of uh, like the coronavirus <laughs> gonna be closed for two weeks two and a half months in we're like oh yeah can we open up but um <laughs> so yeah i mean so i got home and like all my old friends or whatever were like dude you're different you're weird you know i kind of i basically lost all my friends which is good because they would have mm-hmm. a horrible influence on me anyway yeah i mean because you know i shared the gospel with them when i got home they're like dude don't give me that stuff so I, uh, mm-hmm. I then went, you know, was doing Bible studies with people and sharing, sharing the, the faith people were getting saved. And, and you mean at the skate park as well, right? Yeah. Yep. At the skate park, at the skate park. Just right where home. you, right where you are, be, be available where you are, what's your hand to just start there. I mean, I'd been a Christian seven months. I know, I didn't know what I was doing. I, you know, I would share the gospel because Jesus had radically changed my life and saved me from death and <laughs> hell and destruction and everything. So um, I just shared that with people because people knew I was different. You know, I wasn't yeah. the same kind of pompous jerk that I was before. So yeah. uh, people came up to me. They wondered what was going on. I, I came up to them, shared the gospel, and, and, you know, kids were getting saved. And so we started doing Bible study literally in the dirt on the side of the skate park at Pegasus mm-hmm. Park. Which and is common kids. to us. This happens right. all the time. Right. Yeah. And so I started hosting it every Thursday night, and there'd be like 30 kids, you know, sitting around me. And then, you know, there'd be, kid, <laughs> there'd be other kids skating by you know, screaming, praise Satan, spitting on us, shooting their boards out at us. So it was kind of crazy, you know, Mm -hmm. at the same time. So anyway, you know, fast forward multiple years, I get adopted by this amazing Christian family. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And then I went into youth ministry in 2015 at a Southern Baptist church. Um, So in that time, I'm studying theology. I'm leading Bible studies and stuff. I was probably leading Bible studies way too early. I I was a novice. I think most people do, right? I mean, Spurgeon didn't go to seminary or Martin Lloyd-Jones. Not that it was too early for them. (laughs) no. Yeah. yeah they, but then they didn't. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, 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 I attended some, some, I think I got to my junior year for my degree at uh, Moody Bible Institute, money, different things came in and I had to, I had to step away from that. Mm-hmm. I've taken, I've taken some courses at Puritan Reform Theological Seminary. Yeah. Uh, but mostly, most of my study was just done on my own. Like since 2010, I've been building this library, which you can't see literally wraps all the way around me and it's, it's ridiculous, but yeah, I've been I've been building this. No, I remember going to someone's house and they had a chalkboard and they said, "Hey, write encouraging things." Yeah. And so I wrote a verse, and I think you might have wrote in Latin or something. Yeah, what I wrote it. Writing. <laughs> yeah, I forget the time, but there was a bunch of different languages. But yeah. it's funny because I remember in that season, like praying for different people. I don't always pray for the same people. But I remember a season of praying for you and feeling like I felt the Lord was like, "Man, Dane's like dry," and not that your faith is, 
But I remember talking to you and you just, and we, had, we don't talk all the time. It's, it could be a couple of months. I remember you saying, Brian, I feel like I'm gaining all this knowledge, but I'm not getting to go express it. Yeah. So you went from in the van share and having these God encounters and witnessing the people to then getting heavy into, you know, a lot of people were around you, which was great. I remember I came out there a couple of times and shared and you had an amazing crew of people like worship leaders and different girls that would serve and you guys are a big crew and they all like loved each other. Obviously some scragglers, like that's what church looks like, though you weren't planning a church, you were just doing it. But then you were almost like it was so much study. And I remember just saying, Dane, you need to just go down to the skate park and just, just engage people as well. And that's what we can sometimes miss as Christians, right? Yeah. We can know everything, but not be living it. Right. So it's like, so then the Lord was leading you through, well, getting your study in, which is relevant to again, birth you out. Right. So. Right. Cause I, I, like, I think it was probably like 2010. Like I knew I wanted to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. I knew like that, that I felt like God was calling me. I felt the inward call. Yeah. I hadn't had the outward call yet. No churches had called me a pastor or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a sense, I was leading these Bible studies under, you know, the covering of Kid KSM and yeah. Thinking Skateboard Ministry. So in a sense, but, you know, I was still a novice. So I knew if I want to be a pastor, I need to do the due diligence, especially if I might not get a chance to go to seminary. So I started yeah. building all this stuff and collecting and reading and diving in. And that's kind of when you're talking about where it was just dry because, yeah. uh, you know. Not that the like, Lord's dry, but you're just no, simply no. only really reading and studying right. for you. Right. And, and yeah, because I wanted to train myself up to be able to one day be a pastor. <laughs> but Christianity is a body and we got to move right. together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you told me that to, to get out there and stuff. And I started doing that again, me and my good friend, Eric. who you mm-hmm. know, He's say, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we started going back out to the skate park and doing stuff. And so that was good. But then I ended up getting hired at a, at a, um, you to be a youth pastor at a Southern Baptist church, did that, that whole crew that you had seen came with me to do that. And then, um, uh, I ended up leaving that to go into skateboard ministry again in 2016 yeah. uh, or 2017, I think. Yeah. Just on my own, uh, under this, uh, this ministry called in faith. And mm-hmm. so you basically, you know, through them, you, you can set up your own ministry or whatever. So I did that and was going to the skate parks all the time. I had one, you know, two hours away in a town, little town called Payson. You've been, wow. yeah, of course park up there. And so we would go up there. I would go up there every single week with my little crew and I would share the gospel with people mm-hmm. and uh, just these skaters and these scooter kids and all that <laughs> stuff. So, Even uh, the scooter kids were getting love good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got you got to throw them something too. Oh, I love them. It's yeah. cool. I make fun of them. You know, I make fun of us like skaters and scooters, but they're cool. I got some good friends out there. Yeah. Oh, no, seriously. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean all, all people need to hear the gospel, go out into the all creation, mm-hmm. hear the gospel with all creature, all creation. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, it was crazy. And then, um, I ended up preaching the gospel a lot and then just felt like it was time to plant my own church. Mm. Like, I remember texting you about, it. I was like, dude, we're planting a church. And you're like, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> you're like, what are you going to be like full reformed? I'm like, uh, probably so. Um, you're like easy, bro. But, um, well, the danger is we can preach what we're studying yeah. and it's more for us to process it. Right. And I don't envy the role of past pastoring i feel like i pastor people because i love people and i remember what they're talking about and i want to push everyone forward but it is dangerous when it's more about what you're doing and it's dangerous when people only come to church just to know but not to be the body you need to know i'm about doctrine it's the most important thing to know within the family but the family's got to be moving forward so you end up planning the church and then how many years ago was that i was in 2000 late late 2017 Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think uh, 
you know, sometime November or whatever is with Kyrie when we kicked off. And you planted Agros Church? Yeah, it's called Agros Reformed Baptist Church. So, yeah. And tell them what Agros means because it's kind of cool. Yeah, so Agros is a Greek word for field or Mm -hmm. a field. And so that came from Matthew 13, 44. Uh, you know, the, the treasure and the, the treasure buried in the field. Also, it was a play on words because out here in Gilbert, Arizona, where I live, That's right. right down the street from me is a place called Agritopia. Everyone's all about the fields because there's always fields around. And so, you know, all these artsy hipster places always have mm-hmm. something like Agritopia or something. So um, it was kind of a play on words. Um, Good. But yeah, so we did that. And then we just planned in my living room, man, with like a handful of people. And, you know, now we're, um, we're actually sharing <laughs> a location with a, uh, Orthodox Presbyterian church. They let mm. us use their building after their service. So we have an afternoon service after theirs. And so we, so you mean this church is getting along and this church is still to this day, 2000 years later being planted the way the disciples planted them yeah, yeah. In, in homes. Well, pretty much yeah. every church is a home church now, right? Yeah, With the Corona, they were all yeah, home yeah, church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, we brought us back to the original model. That's um, cool. Yeah. So that was a, uh, yeah, it's, it's been amazing, man. So we got like, you know, we're still a little church because, I mean, you could probably take all the Reformed Baptists and put them in a movie theater and that'd be it. Um, so, you know, we, uh, we're we still small. I think like 30 members or something. And yeah. Yeah, 30 members. And, you know, on a Sunday, it can be anywhere from 30 to 35. <laughs> so well, maybe small, if you I, shorten, I shorten the messages and make it more about the people. Yeah. then you could have a massive church. I'm not knocking massive churches, but I'm saying, you know what? Jesus had 12 and one of them bailed. Some of them yeah. doubted and yeah. he was confronted and, ch- <laughs> and challenged. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying that to say, you know, I see the diligence. I see what you guys are doing. And um, I'm friends with people in all these different camps. And if someone has 50,000 people as their church, good, as long as they're bringing the way to God. So, right. so that starts. And what is the model? Like, what do you say? Am I going to preach line by line or are you going to go topical or what, what, what did you think the Lord was showing you? Like, obviously we see biblically, you know, you want to be able to present the whole gospel, everything that's there. And as Paul said, you know, everything. So, right. The whole counsel of God. Yep. So, um, I mean, I, I see the benefit in both, you know, I think the Holy spirit can lead us to, you know, if I'm in the middle of a series and this has mm-hmm. happened times, it took me two years to get through first John or almost yeah. two years. Not because I was just in First John the whole time, but because, you know, I would feel like the spirit laid upon <laughs> my heart, you know, like to do a, a series of messages on something else or, you know, mm. a sermon on this. So I think I think you should have both. And I don't think you should limit yourself as a pastor to just, you know, stick in a book or sticking in a topic series or whatever. I think I think you have to have expositional preaching regardless if you're doing a topic or not because you yeah. can the text and exposit it and, and bring out the you don't want to eisegete, which is to read into the text. Put uh, your thoughts into it. Right. It's not there. Bring it out. So, yeah, we did that. And so I do I do a mixture of both, you know. Good. Uh, I would do that, I think. Yeah. Topical. And like right before all this Corona craziness happened, I was I was doing a series through Mark. And I had just finished a series through Jonah, you know, going mm. verse by verse. Jonah, I did chapter by chapter. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm actually working on turning that into a book form right now for my congregation with study questions and things like that. Awesome. So hopefully that'll be cool. Um, so pastors being diligent and they're growing and they're like, yeah. so, so how do you, you do this? And then you've got obviously your wife and the two kids and you, you just had a, how recent's the baby? Uh, April 12th. Okay. <laughs> so born amidst the coronavirus. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We That's, literally, you know, in the, in the delivery room had masks and stuff on. So it was crazy. 
Well, I say to Locke, there's so much fear, but Daniel's parents went ahead and gave birth to him, knowing there would be a seven-year exile. And it's no different. You know, as Christians, only thing he's called us to do is worship him, occupy till I come, be filled with the Spirit, and, and get after what we're getting after. So it doesn't change. The, the, the walls around us and the things people say and do eventually will, but that's it. So yeah. how are you then this pastor? And then really the Greek biblical languages thing, were you just drawn to that? Were you just obsessed with study or? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to preface all this by saying, you know, I, I view being a pastor as my chief is calling outside of being a husband and a father. So it's mm -hmm. husband, father, pastor. So, you know, all this other, any of the other ministry stuff that we're going to talk about that I do, whether it be evangelism or the stuff in text criticism or teaching biblical languages, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's tertiary to me. That's secondary. Yeah. Being a it's not the, the, it's not the Dane show. It's right, the pastor right. Dane is right. the call. And the rest is things like this that we do. Yeah. Right. Right. And so any of this other internet stuff I do or, or uh, you know, articles, even this, you know, this is this yeah. is tertiary. This is, this is cake on top of everything else I do. Yeah. So being a pastor is the highest. You just missed me. Yeah. 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 I do miss <laughs> it. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, how I got into Greek and everything. I mean, I think it was like 2010. I just started because again, I dropped out of high school and um, you know, I, I could, I had a really low reading level. I, I didn't know much and I didn't care mm. much. And so once I got saved, part of that was, you know, I had a drive to read the Bible and I had, I had a hard time reading the NIV, you know, yeah. I, I, my reading level was low, man. Wow. And so I had a hard time reading the NIV, but you know, God just blessed me with like a desire to know his word and to mm -hmm. study. And so I think it was like 2010. I just thought it'd be cool to do word studies and stuff. I think John Kite actually was showing me about word studies. And so I started doing word studies and going back to the Greek quote unquote. And from there, I was just like, man, I want to learn this language. And so I started studying. I've taken some courses at Moody Bible Institute. I've taken a course at Puritan Reformed Theological wow. Seminary um, in Greek. <clears throat> but really, most of my Greek was self-taught. I went through books. I read my Greek New Testament constantly and yeah. um, uh, all that. So, I mean, I got to a point where, you know, I was teaching it to lay people and, and my friends, my family, whoever wanted to learn. I've done some stuff online. Well, John's a professor as well by now, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's got like a doctor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's smart man. So yeah, he's crazy. I think he's, yeah. his hair's gone from here to his beard. Yeah. One of the most amazing skaters, but just diligent, diligent. And you know, it's relevant to say because people say, you know, you almost get planted in a church coming to faith where they just look look down upon study and knowing the world and the Greek yeah. and all this stuff. And I'm like, I remember the story, whether it's true or not one of the students stood up and told the professor, but we need to know all this really. And the professor had the student come down, handed him a Greek Bible and said, would you read from this for us? Yeah. And the guy's just like, uh, because the reality is it had to be translated for us. We yeah. need theologians. We need scholars. We get it. The Holy Spirit's in us, but there's a reason God gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Yeah. So, so right. you're into all this and then take us now then into I know there was a bit of controversy, right? What happened there with your famous uh, preacher friend out in, in Arizona? I don't know. You just mentioned like, okay, there was some kind of chaos. What happened? Well, I mean, the, I think the chaos was really more for him <clears throat> on his side of it uh, because, okay, so who I'm talking about is Steven Anderson. Vice did a documentary thing on him. The BBC did a documentary. Really? Uh, he was like the main character in their uh, America's Hate Preacher. So he lives out here in Tempe, Arizona. Okay. And, uh, Pastor I'm familiar with him. Yeah. Faithful Word Baptist church. And so, um, <clears throat> I mean, he's, he definitely says some extreme things and, and he's an independent fundamentalist Baptist preacher. 
uh, part of the NIFB, the new independent fundamentalist Baptist. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they, they, they were really growing and, and popularity and they're, they're, they're a big movement now. Yeah. Um, because they're because big because of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not just him, all the other pastors involved in that and stuff, but they, their big thing is they go soul winning, soul winning, which they go door to door and just knock every door in Phoenix, Arizona. So being sent at. out like Jesus did, we're going to go yeah, to the door, yeah. we're going to knock and we're going to dust off our feet if they reject. Okay. Right. So they, and then they share the gospel, they pray a prayer with people and stuff. So, I mean, you can think of whatever you want about what they do uh, with that and everything, or, you know, the, the exact articulation of the gospel or whatever, but, um, but the zeal is there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, you know. And he speaks in tongues then? Yeah, yeah. No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, he's 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 hardcore independent from fundamentalist Baptist. And so mm-hmm. he's done a ton of documentaries. He's done a stuff to, ton of stuff to put him out there. And with, with, with Steven, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm a good friends with him. Mm-hmm. Um, with Steven, the, the, the crazier the, the attention he gets, the better. And so I think a lot of the things he says, the, you know, pretty extreme things he says, because uh, he can take something that you know conservative Christians like you and I totally agree on, and he'll say it just pretty crazy. No, he's very direct. It sometimes sounds like he's shouting at the congregation. And and don't get me wrong, there's people that came to faith listening to a Leonard Ravenhill or a Paul Washer, and so they take on their deliverance, even though Paul's way mellower. You know, sometimes our preaching can sound like it's more about our trusting in what we trust. You know what I mean? And it's not always the meekness, even though being meek doesn't mean not bold. So yeah, the interactions I have were just listen to a lot of his sermons when I was even coming to faith and probably a couple of years after just to see different perspectives, but I know you got a lot of fire. So how did you become friends? And is that a good, bad thing for you? That was it like people were like, what's going on? What's the outside perspective in that? You know? I mean, yeah, because I mean, he's banned from 34 countries banned. Banned? Banned. He cannot enter because he's seen it. That's a famous pastor right there. But is he he banned because he's angry or banned because he's a Christian? Uh, I mean, he's banned because of the things he says and the stance on homosexuality (laughs) and everything like that. Wow. Again, again, I would not say what he says. I would not agree with all of his doctrine. He doesn't agree with all my doctrine. Uh, I don't. Well, that's agree with okay. Not everyone right. agrees with everything. Yeah. yeah. And I don't agree with all the doctrine of my Presbyterian friends who were we, we share their church. I'm good friends mm-hmm. with after there, and we don't agree on a lot of things too. So yeah. Um, with with Stephen, I would not say some of the things he says, and I would yeah. not say some of the other things he says the way he says it. However, yeah. that, that's him. That's what he's doing, and and it's caused him to be banned from mm. from 34 countries. But again, he's like more attention, better, so I can get the gospel out. Yeah, so, you know, that, that's his that's his shtick on it and his his perspective. But yeah, for me, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, the reformed community didn't really know who I was anyway till then, and uh, and and some of the text criticism stuff going back and forth with Doctor James White. Um, yeah, you know, I people started to find out about me or whatever, and but I never really took off. I still haven't. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, there was pushback. There was definitely pushback. Because he said, why are you associating with this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were simply meeting with him to talk about Greek, to do whatever. And again, you have the thing right now where even people who are very opposed to, you know, Jesus culture, uh, Hillsong, don't want even certain songs at certain words, you know, don't want played in their church because of what it relates to certain preachers. And that I understand it. Likewise, people will even look down on certain reform guys because they're too rigid or whatever. Um, I try and stick to what's right there in the word. and, And again, I don't want this loosey goosey doctrine where 10% of the guy's book is like funky out there. Like, I don't know what's where you're going to be in a year or two. Right. I'm, I need to at least know where someone is. So I can say, I can take this 
receive that, spit this out. You know what I mean? I'm ultimately yeah. using their knowledge, wisdom, their teaching. It's got to take me to God's word to encourage me. Well, why am I even giving them the time of day just to grow? No, so amen. you end up connecting as friends, studying the Greek, through, doing different things. Right. Through Greek. He started like a local mm. Greek meetup. Okay. The New Testament Greek, modern Greek. And so I went, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was like, whatever. It's Steven Anderson. And so I went and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, me and my, uh, co-pastor Taylor, we, we went and did this and uh, met with him for Greek. And we were just like, this is, this is a trip, man. This is surreal. But he was super, the, the craziest part, he was just super nice super like you know open friendly mm. and you know we we did we had some talk about doctrine because he has preached you know back in the past there are no saved calvinists if you were a calvinist you cannot be saved you're going to hell yeah um, and he's not and god he, so right, no right, one knows right. that being a calvinist does not make you a not a believer obviously and and, and most of the guys i listen to are calvinists a lot of my friends are calvinists you know right. but i have tongue speaking friends i have people in different camps i mean like right. paul seemed like he engaged a lot of people what they were doing but he held them accountable you know so the same people you just wouldn't even see on a podcast like this for the reason that they're going to go off in la la land with their own little things i love them but i'm not going to affirm things you know so right okay we you know we we sat down a couple times because we started doing this weekly and you know there was times we grilled each other on stuff but he didn't think you know we could be saved and finally he he, he meant you. Mind. He meant you yeah. weren't saved because you were a Calvinist. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he changed his mind on that because he was like, I just never met a saved Calvinist who believed that you could be saved by faith alone or by grace alone through faith alone. And so um, that that's his perception on things. But, you know, anyway, we, we have a good friendship. We know we see each other as see each other as brothers in Christ. And uh, we don't agree on everything. And, you know, I don't recommend his church or his teaching. And he doesn't recommend my church or my really. Teaching. So yeah, it yeah. is a real friendship then. Yeah, yeah. You guys really are friends where you go, we don't agree on these. Because here's the reality, and I'm going to say this, and, and we've talked offline about it. You've got Martin Luther, the Reformation. Okay, you've got all these um, ancient Greeks that influenced the West. You know, yeah. whether it's what? Herodians, Hellenists, this agenda comes across the Caucasus Mountains, goes into culture, and we very much view ourselves the center of it all. Yeah. So even Luther and the Reformation is a pushback on the Catholic's perspective but obviously it's through faith it's right. only through faith and only through grace that god does everything but the right. danger is then when you push to do anything many people default and say well that's works no right. no no it's never works that saves you right but works are how what we live out right. i'm not working to be saved i'm working from salvation right. so I think a big problem with the American church is that Christians don't know what they're meant to do. And the pastor's kids raise thinking you give a 30, 40 minute sermon, you get them in the church is good. And these guys love people. The donuts are good. Your community, you're all hanging out with you, but 30 in your church or 30,000. That's great. But I don't know that we're pushed towards this idea of discipleship, gospel living focus, the, the, if their percentages are true that 85% of the church is discipleship with 15 evangelism, that's not good. No. It's about discipleship, yeah. but we're being discipled here. If we drop that, we go to be with the Lord, but if we're being discipled here, it's so we'll go out and there'll be more disciples and more disciples. And discipleship isn't only for Pastor Dane or Pastor so-and-so. It's for each of us. We've all been given our own card to plow. Yeah. So, that's the challenge where I go, we need the grace, the mercy for salvation. But as we go live it, this whole kind of new perspective of just kingdom living, you can be feeding the orphans and helping the widows and all the rest of it. And that's good. 
but the the gospel does need to be proclaimed, Caruso, heralded. And I don't mean shouting at you from a soapbox, but it is in word and deed. You'll hear this over and over and over. So, I mean, anyway, to the point this goes on. And so how do you get then from this thing to really your focus, even maybe today, text criticism? I mean, explain this for us. Yeah. And segue just a, yourself from that, those thoughts into right. this. Yeah. Yeah. And just a segue, yeah, to segue that, you know, to kind of tie up the, the, the end with Steven Anderson to, to this mm-hmm. uh, kind of what, what caused the controversy. People didn't care if I met and studied Greek with him. And, and I've never met a better Greek scholar than him. He can speak Greek fluently, modern Greek, ancient mm-hmm. Greek, and read Homer, everything like that. And so I was like, I'm gonna study Greek with this guy. Why not? Um, and that wasn't the issue people had necessarily. It was the fact that I made a documentary with him. He asked me to come along to with him to Cyprus mm-hmm. to film a documentary. You filmed it, made it, produced it, helped I put helped, it out. I helped. Yeah, yeah. We, we both did that. And we went with a guy who was a native speaker of Greek from Athens in his church. And we went mm-hmm. there who had moved here and now goes, now goes to his church. So we went to Cyprus and the premise of our film was that if you just take the, the Greek New Testament written in Kini Greek and you, uh, you evangelize with it to modern Greek speakers that you can understand it and it was kind of, they can understand it perfectly fine. And so this 2,000-year-old language hasn't changed much in the modern Greek. So that was our premise. Mm-hmm. We went, we demonstrated it, we proved it. Anyway, uh, through did that, people did. get evangelized? Oh, yeah. We got, and did we, people respond? Yeah, we, we shared the gospel to them from the Greek New Testament, <laughs> we, you know, everything like that. So it was great. Um, and people, when I got back and the reform community for me, they were, they were really mad about that, that I would evangelize with what they're saying is a heretic. So he's calling them heretics. They're calling him heretics. That's just how it goes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was just in the middle of this where I'm like, I don't know. We've got, we got to go out and share the gospel in Greek. It was great. You know, I don't, I don't see the, the issue. But when the Bible says that we know in part, who is yeah. completely right then? And I'm not, I'm not affirming. I haven't watched all the videos on, you know, Steven Anderson. I don't know what he might've said. I don't know who I might mention that. I don't know what they said yesterday or 10 yeah. years ago. Right. I can only protect what's here in front of us. You know what I mean? I'm not affirming any heresy. So oh, yeah, me, me I get it, but isn't it easy for young men? Let's say you and me were suddenly 20 to go and just study, 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 study and sit in and, and build a resume and push this out through blogs and podcasts and relevance. Yes. But is that actually our call? Because there's orthodoxy, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's ortho what? What is the Greek word for practice? Ortho? Yeah. Orthopraxy. Yeah. So I can know and not go do. So right. knowing is not enough. We must apply. And that's actually a Bruce Lee quote. Didn't mean yeah. to go there. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. You know, and we are his workmanship. You know, we produce a fruit, the carpos. Yeah. So for us, it's like it's knowing. And I believe me, I'm a knower. I want to know. I see all the books. I'm like, dang, I want to read all those books. I just love that. Yeah, but yeah. if my life was to be taken in a week, I'm not going to know all those books. I'm not going to go with you and Steven Anderson. I'm not going to preach in that kind of Greek. You guys did. And that's not wrong. We should go do that. But yeah. I can only cater to what I'm doing today. You know what yeah. I mean? So either way, the reform, then, you know, the pendulum swings. Doctrine, doctrine's consistent with God, but men navigate it. Right. You know, when I feel like you got to stay close to the line, even right. how many people I get hit me up right now, what is going on with Bill Johnson and Bethel and all this stuff? Some people are like freaking out about it. Some people are saying, can I listen to this kind of music? Some people are like, why doesn't your church only use this translation? So right. that's all going on. You're going to go into text criticism, but for your church, what, what text then do you use? What is your translation? Um, I mean, for we, I, I don't, as the pastor, make people use 
a, you know, a certain translation. Obviously there's translations that I would tell them not to use. But, uh, <laughs> That's all I mean. Like if you were planning and I was like, Dane, what should I use? What's your go-to? And I'm, you're not throwing stones, but why? And let's say I'm a new believer. I just come to faith. Dane, I hear these crazy skateboarders. Hey, I got, you got back from wherever. I seen your documentary. I'm a new Christian. I'm married. I got kids. What are you telling me about both the, the translation I should read and let's go into the New Testament and text criticism. For sure, for sure. And and let me preface this by saying, you know, God is not a thing to be known and studied. Or he's God is not a thing to be studied. He's a person to be known. Yes. And loved. So in, in studying all this stuff, you know, I, I at our church I preach from the King James Bible, the sixteen eleven King James Bible. People in my congregation use, you know, mostly the King James or the New King James mm-hmm. if, they, if they want something from the underlying text that I argue for, the Texas Receptus, the yep. If they if they want something that's more modern, they use the New King James. But there's people that use the ESV and NASB uh, in my church as well. So I mean, if if a brand new Christian came up, said, you know, what do I what do I do? I would give them mm-hmm. a, a New King James and tell them. That's what I got at the church. I came to faith that it was a New King James, and it right, worked. Right. right, New King James and King James. I, I tell people to read that. Mm-hmm. Even though King James didn't translate it, right? No, no, King James did not translate it. <laughs> he just barged his name on there. Right, right, yeah. I mean, he was the he was the Scottish. You know, he was he didn't even speak English when he became king. He spoke Scots. Gaelic. Wow. And so, you know, he came down and, and became king, and basically to unite the Puritans and mm-hmm. the Church of England, they were having a split. He said, "All right, let's make a let's make a Bible translation they can have and uh, try to rally around." So that was kind of a political move on his part. So um, these I mean, politicians, God right, used them never, to put the Bible together. Yeah, right. It wasn't originally published as the King James Bible. It was called the Authorized Version. I mean, it was mm-hmm. authorized by the Crown for the Church of England to use for the English people, because you know there was English translations before that. Yeah. Every, what did Tyndale translate? Yeah, yeah. William Tyndale, and then who King died James. for his translation? Oh, right. Whose blood was shed so we can read these translations? Wow. Right, and so he, you know. Tyndale, uh, kind of when he got his, he, he learned Greek and went back to, to, to the, the real text instead of having to read the Latin Vulgate that the Roman Catholic Church at that point completely corrupt. The papacy had mm-hmm. said you can only read the Bible in the, in the Latin. No one knew Latin except these scholars like Tyndale. Mm-hmm. Once the Greek New Testament was published, people are reading the Greek New Testament and Tyndale's like, I need to translate this for the plowboy. Mm-hmm. So where that quote comes from for the plowboy is he was talking with a cardinal, a Roman Catholic cardinal, who was very angry that he was teaching that you could be saved by grace through faith and that he wanted to translate the Bible into English. And this cardinal was like, no way. That will be the worst thing ever. It'll cause division. It'll cause just every man to be an interpreter for himself. And we need to have wow. to interpret for us. And uh, Tyndale got really angry and he stood up at this dinner he was at and he said, if God spares my life ere long, if he gives me more years to live, I will cause the boy that driveth the plow to know more scripture than you do. (laughs) This whole thing was, I want to put the Bible into the English language so people can read it for themselves and have (laughs) direct access to God and what he tells us, you know? So, so he had chutzpah. Yeah. He had that fire that uh, Jacob had. Okay. Yeah. 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 Amen. So he starts translating. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he, he translated, and after that, you know, he didn't even get to finish the Old Testament. He, he translated the New Testament from Greek for the first time. There's two editions of that. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament he got through the Pentateuch and, and through Joshua, I think, and then, you know, some of the other, I think he had a couple of minor prophets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, after him, his, his friend John Rogers finished the, uh, finished the Bible for him, and that was called the Coverdale Bible. 
after that there was the geneva bible made by the reformers in geneva mm -hmm. uh, the, the english-speaking uh, refugees who were living in geneva at the time and yeah. so they made that there was the bishop's bible the great bible all this stuff and so king james to try to do a political move to unite the puritans and the church of england said let's let's get rid of all these bible versions and just have one that everyone can use we'll just update one good one mm -hmm. the best one and then we'll publish that so then it took off you know and so that's where you know people use that for 400 years that was the english bible up until the you know late 1800s and you said from the latin vulgate but then the septuagint how does that all play in so it was translated like all those bibles i just listed were translated from the original hebrew and greek mm -hmm. um obviously the king james references those other things uh, modern translators reference those things and in some places they actually translate from the septuagint rather than the hebrew which i have a huge issue with but that's another topic well i just heard someone saying that they even believe that the new testament was actually probably written in hebrew but then brought into Greek because of the way some words were used and whether that guy's right or wrong, right. I'm not going to figure it out. You know what I mean? At this stage. So then your main focus text criticism is on the new Testament Greek, right? That's yeah. your main deal. Right. I mean, I know that language the best and that's where there's the most issues with the old Testament as far as text criticism, which if I could just define text criticism is basically yeah. you have these manuscripts, all these handwritten manuscripts, you look at them, there's differences there. Uh, sometimes big differences, sometimes little differences. Most of them are non-essential spelling issues and things mm -hmm. like that. word order, which in in Greek word order doesn't matter like it does in English. Yeah. Um, so that's most of it's stuff like that. It's uh, the purpose of what's written, but then right. someone takes what's written and they just you don't have a direct translation for a Hebrew word or the way it's understood, like like the word love in Greek. We have one word; they right. have four, or the Hebrew has three or so. Okay. Yeah. So and so, yeah. The different words get used, and so sometimes there's mistakes made in these manuscripts. So basically, text criticism takes together those manuscripts, looks at the differences, and tries to find what the original was. Mm -hmm. Or that used to be that used to be the goal. It's changed now. But mm -hmm. so but text criticism. That's that's how you define text criticism. So my work in text criticism would be defending the historic uh, Hebrew and Greek texts of the Reformation. That's what I defend over the Textus Receptus, and so. Um, I, I think in God's providence, we were given a text. Um, it was used and blessed by God for 400 years. And these guys who were many of them liberal Christians and mm -hmm. radical Christians proclaiming to be Christians, they're heretics or non-believers entirely have come along late 1800s and started uh, finding these older manuscripts and, and messing with it and, and changing it. So mm -hmm. um, we, we can get into that a little bit if you want, but I, I you know, I can give an outline kind of, of, the new well, even just as you do, because just for the for the guy sitting in England going, yeah, but yeah. isn't it all written by man? Yeah. And first of all, the Bible claims to be inspired. All of Scripture is inspired by God. So God breathed it. Man was the pen by which God spoke. Yep. If I send you an email today, Dane, when you read it, you know it isn't the uh, text that's me. Well, right. you know, I'm the one that wrote it. So that's yeah. just the vehicle. Just like if I sent you a letter, yep. the mailman, the ink, the pen, that's not me. God right. inspired over centuries thousands of years speaking to man i mean even the fact that moses is said to have recorded the first five yeah. books of the bible which people challenge but jesus pointed to moses yeah. jesus pointed to daniel i'm gonna go with jesus over everyone yeah. else and i yeah. get it but the idea is in the bible when it says in the beginning god moses i have a major problem with this because you went there and moses you don't even know what the garden of eden looked like and right. moses you went there for all these years yet what we're saying is that 
God has obviously downloaded this into man, had Moses record it. It's probably oral tradition for many, many years, and the Hebrews just knew it. And then you get to sit and pass in the Bible where you hear God say, write this down. So then we have a written history. You have the start of the Bible. You get into a Chronicles. And again, we're looking back. You have Samuel Kings, all the rest of it. To anyone listening, me and Dane aren't just like, oh, yeah, this is a book. We're reading it. This isn't right. like Mary Poppins. This isn't like, you know, a book that me and Dane wrote. This is thousands of years of a culture where the family were generations of scribes, where yeah. literally they say they would have three people. So a guy would say a word, a guy would write a word, and a guy would read the word. And every time they said the name of God, they would go wash their hands and come back. And it was yeah. in reverence. This yeah. is all their family did, like iron workers, like people who were part of, you know, this is all, it isn't like people just say, I could just start a religion, do it. Go start a religion and you will not change the world. It won't be better for women like it was when Jesus came. Yep. Children will roll down the hills in Corinth since then. Jesus changed everything. So what we're saying is God knew man would fall, created him in his image, and had in mind to give this love letter, the Bible, to man. He speaks the Old Testament. He chooses the nation of Israel. What does that mean that they're God's chosen? He chose them to be the vessel through which their lineage would carry God's message. We right. get to Malachi. The Old Testament closes. There's over 300 prophecies of a supposed coming Messiah, one greater right. than Moses, and one who is the suffering servant, who would ride Zechariah 9, 9 on the on the rear end of a donkey. All this happens, 400 years of silence. We arrive at the New Testament. What's going on in first century Jerusalem? And then, Dane, where are we going? So, yeah, I mean, just to touch on that, I mean, you, you laid out exactly the Old Testament. Uh, I didn't mean to say all that. I didn't, oh, okay. no, you're good. You're good. That was great. That's uh, very true because, I mean, I think uh, you touched on it in a minute, and I'll give you some more information here. Uh, the inspiration of scriptures, basically yes. you just said the inspiration. So you have oral tradition in the old Testament, mm -hmm. uh, possibly the new Testament, but there's a difference between what took place in time, what actually took place, what was said by the prophets, the apostles, mm -hmm. Jesus himself, the Lord God, when he spoke in the old Testament, there was things that were happening that were not recorded things that were said that were not recorded. I mean, John 21, 25 says there's tons mm -hmm. of things that Jesus did and said that were not recorded, not written down. So there's, mm -hmm. there's what actually took place in time and what was recorded, not in content, but the amount of content. Yeah. So when, when the authors of scripture, whether they be prophets or apostles put their pen to paper, as you use the email example, God, the Holy spirit spoke through them. And what is it it's, uh, to say it's inspired? It's, you know, the human authors were the penmen of the Holy Spirit, essentially. Second Timothy 3, 16, 17 says mm -hmm. all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly equipped for every mm -hmm. good work. And that word given by inspiration of God, I think a lot of modern translations translate it as God breathed, which is literally what it is in Greek. It's the, uh, Theopanevstos. Mm -hmm. So, it's God breathe. It's the, the things that he spoke. It's the mm -hmm. things that he said. And he uh, did this through the human authors. It's second Peter one twenty one. Uh, Peter tells us that uh, prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy mm -hmm. men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy, the Holy ghost. Feromeni literally mm -hmm. carried along. They were yeah. born up and carried along. So the words that God wanted to say, the things God wanted to record he used human penmen in their human languages of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek to write these things down. And the mm -hmm. end result was God's word written. Mm. So that's inspiration. So again, well, like even the book of Acts, it says right in the start that 
God, all the works he did through Jesus, through yeah. the Holy Spirit. And when he closes it, he tells them off the Pharisees, I believe, or the Sadducees and said, this is what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah yeah. by the Holy Spirit. So yeah, even Jesus. the Old Testament okay. is the Ruach, the, the Spirit of God move in the Numa yeah. in the New or the Paraclete, and this is the yeah. Spirit. So you're saying, first of all, folks listening, it's inspired. Jesus yeah. did many, many things, but God chose what would be penned and given to us, yes. even with our slight Greek, I mean, English variations. So, yeah. all righty. So, so how do we know that the scriptures are truly God's word? Because when we talk about text criticism, we talk about apologetics. Apologetics mm-hmm. are important. Neither of us say that apologetics is not important. Yeah. We say that it is important. But the self, uh, there's something in theology called the self-authenticating nature of Scripture. Mm-hmm. In the Scripture as well, that we don't, you know, you, Brian, and I don't believe that the Scriptures are inspired or that the Scriptures are true because of evidence. You mm-hmm. know, we don't, look, we don't look at archaeology and, uh, you know, historical evidence that Jesus existed and go, okay, now I believe. No yeah. one does that. Those things can help. They can be tools. Yeah. But ultimately, the reason any of us believe is because of the self-authenticating nature of Scripture, meaning that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Yeah. The scriptures are true. Um, it's illuminated within us. We suddenly right. believe. It's, it's revealed to everyone. You can open a Bible and, reveal, yeah. and read it. But it's illuminated and your eyes open, your ears. We were dead in sin. Now we're awake. We can hear his voice. We can yes. hear the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Okay. Yeah, yeah amen. And so, yeah, I mean, what is uh, it's first? First Corinthians 2.14 tells us that the Scriptures, the, 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 the truth of Scripture mm-hmm. is spiritually discerned, meaning that the person who is not spiritual, the man who is unspiritual cannot understand them, meaning yeah. the man who is unconverted cannot understand them. A person has to be born again. You talked about Nicodemus earlier. Yeah. Jesus telling him he must, be, he must be born again, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. In First Corinthians 1.18, the whole premise of your foolishness podcast, yep. that the, the unsaved person the truth of scripture, the gospel mm-hmm. is foolishness unto them because their, their eyes are darkened. They're blind. Their hearts are hard. They cannot understand the things of the spirit, the things Amen. of God because it's spiritually discerned. Yeah. And so no one believes the scripture or believes in the, in the gospel because of evidence. Evidence yeah. is, is insufficient. Mm-hmm. Completely insufficient. Though there's evidence in the universe declares his majesty. Yeah. Like John MacArthur said, there is no evidence for the big bang because no yeah. one was there. So sure, I believe there could be a Noah's Ark somewhere. There's, there's more archaeological, historical finds, geographical finds for the Bible than anything else in history. Right. I mean, even the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, the Essenes recorded, and you have those books showing up to show the accuracy of Scripture yeah. thousands of years later, potentially. So there's evidence, but you don't believe because of the evidence. No, and Dane is not saying when he says spiritual, he sat and meditated in a field and was right. spiritual like Oprah Winfrey, Deepak Chopra spiritual. You mean right. the spirit of the living God awakened you? You came yeah. to faith. When someone says I can't believe, I go, I know you can't. You right. can't believe till you're born again. Well, how do I believe the gospel is the power of salvation? Yeah. What's the gospel? This coming, arriving kingdom through its Messiah Jesus Christ through His blood, death, resurrection. All yeah. right, so that's where you start. Right, and, and then. Uh, I hold uh, I hold the London Baptist Confession of Faith as a reasonable expression of what <laughs> the Bible teaches. I'm, I'm a Reformed Baptist, so of course I do. And in, in chapter one, paragraph five, talks about how we can the scriptures testify themselves to be true based on all these evidences. You know that, mm-hmm. that's part of it. You know the 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 style, the majesty. They go into all the stuff, um, and then they end it by saying that the full discovery uh, that the, that it is the Word of God. Uh, 
are arguments whereby it abundantly evidenced itself to be the word of God. These things help yet, notwithstanding all of this, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth in scripture and divine authority thereof is from inward work of the Holy spirit, bearing witness with our spirit by the word in our hearts. So Mm -hmm. again, it's kind of the whole thing we talked about the spirit causes us to believe in the scriptures that they are Mm -hmm. true. And when we're born again, we'll read the scriptures as God's word and we doubt it. So again, a bunch of, um, you know, evidence is not going to make you believe, but the Holy spirit alone can cause you to believe. And so you must be born again, like we said. So from, from inspiration, we just talked yeah. about inspiration from inspiration. You go to preservation. And yep. This is how we can trust in the new Testament that it, that it is what we have in front of us is what God inspired, what God wrote down. And uh, again, in my confession of faith that I hold to at my church, um, it tells us that in the Greek and the Hebrew, by God's special care and providence, it was kept pure in all ages. Mm-hmm. That God kept so God overseen it to say, yeah. this is how it will be delivered. Yep. Uh, the four gospels, the epistles, all the books of the Bible, God intended it to be this way. It wasn't, you know, a bunch of men getting together going, we like this, we don't like that. You know, throw Maccabees out, throw the book of Enoch out, do whatever. Um, what was the guy's name? Why am I forgetting his name with the, with the cross in the sky? You know. Constantine. Um, Constantine, yeah. So all of those dates, and I get Easter and all this stuff, Ishtar, we know that. But no, what we're saying is no, Christianity is about a man called Jesus who was yeah. sent by Yahweh, you know what I mean, in that yeah. sense, the Holy Spirit. So we today, when I open a Bible, all of which are around the house everywhere, I'm hearing from the Lord. He's doing a work in me yeah. through that text. Yeah, so, amen. And so the uh, – the hold on, sorry. It was giving me some weird message. Um <laughs> So the, the, yeah, exactly. The, the scriptures were preserved in Hebrew and Greek kept pure in all ages. What my confession states, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I believe that to be true that mm-hmm. God by his supernatural preservation, he didn't just inspire it, give us the Bible and say, all right, you know, whatever happens to it happens to it. Yeah. You know, he kept it pure in all ages, according to the promises of Jesus made, like in Matthew five eighteen, he says, you know, till heaven and earth pass away, not one mm-hmm. dot or one tittle. One, one, one piece of a Hebrew letter, none of it will pass away mm-hmm. until all be fulfilled. Uh, Matthew 24, 35, he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I say, and when my confession states that uh, the, the Bible would be kept pure in all ages in the Hebrew and the Greek, that doesn't mean that Christians have always had access to the Bible, that every Christian in every age had a complete Bible, had an accurate Bible. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and that's not what that statement is saying because today we, we know Christians uh, in Thailand and, and, and all yeah. over the world who don't have access to the scriptures. Yeah. They have a couple of pages maybe, right. or like for Davy in Thailand, they don't have it. They're, they're full on Buddhists who don't know. And in God's sovereignty, I don't understand it. I would feel like, well, it's way more fair if it was always existed and it could always be read and always whatever. But God knows better than either of us and Davy in Thailand. So yeah. he knows what he's doing. So, yeah. yeah so there's yeah. Christians today, like Bible, you know, believing Christians who are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ who yeah. don't have access to the scriptures or maybe just a portion, like you said. But so if they if, watch this podcast, this could be basically the most they've ever heard about Jesus potentially, right, right, which is right. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, being <laughs> preserved doesn't mean that everyone always had access to it. Mm. Um, and, and the way that God preserved his word, as Jesus said, it would be preserved. Heaven and earth would, will pass away, but my word shall not pass away was yeah. uh, by handwritten manuscripts and then by the printing press, by printed 
editions. So when you mm -hmm. talk about manuscripts, when we say manuscript, that comes from the Latin manus and scriptus, meaning a writing, so handwritten. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that was written by hand. They would take parchment, they would take papyrus, they would take yeah. vellum, which is leather, and they would write out the scriptures. Uh, some were copied very poorly, others were copied, copied very well, some were done professionally, some were done just by the common man who could read and, who could read and write. Yeah. And so that was one method throughout the ages, uh, the Hebrew scriptures uh, by the Masoretic text and the, yep. the Masoretes, um, and then the, the Greek New Testament through the church was, was uh, kept pure. It was, it was mm -hmm. copied, it was passed down. That was what was recorded and shared in whatever way we put Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the rest. These right. letters are going throughout. And yeah. obviously Jesus being a rabbi, back to your point that was relevant, he taught so many things. And some have even said, look, the Beatitudes in a way are a summary of his general teaching. This would be his teaching. This is his principle right here. So regardless to me, I read that letter and say, this is from God. So I trust it. Yeah, People hearing it isn't that I just trust it blindly. No. I was going to make this point a minute ago, but if you go in our garage, there's probably 30 Bruce Lee books that I read from when I was a kid. I yeah. loved Eastern philosophy. I love Bruce Lee. I read everything I could. I love thinking about different religions, different faiths. Even the seven months I tried to disprove the Bible, nothing shook the idea of what ghosts were and seances and all the rest. And yeah. just like open white wicked. Hey, well, why, why are they wrong? What's this? Right. The night I came to faith, the night I came to faith after trying to disprove all these religions, the night I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, as far as his word, the spirit of God in this room back here in an instant, my eyes are open and I knew this is it. This is truth. Yeah. Reading the Bible was never the same. Understanding the whole, I knew I'd been adopted into a family. I was changed. That's what happens for the true believer. So even for Stephen Anderson to joke, if a Calvinist has been saved into Christ, I know they all think they're chosen, but they're in Christ. Right. So that, that's what opens your eyes. So what do you do with that? You, you go through that. What, you have that translation. So what would you say about churches that maybe do you look at the messages like, I don't ever read that? What do you do with the NIV today? What translate is the translations that you're like, I don't go near that for these. I mean, what's James why he's a new King James guy, right? Or no. James why he would be a modern critical text guy using the modern critical Greek text. So translations from that NASB ESV. That's what he likes. Yeah. The NASB, which is, yeah, a lot of people and yeah, he's right. and Jeff Durbin's in the same camp, right? Yeah. Yeah. They oh, okay. at the same church. Yeah. Okay. So the, yeah. They're in the same, same group. They would hold to that. So the opposite view that I would hold. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. so we've gone back and forth. We've, you know, he's done some of his, you know, podcasts about about me and stuff. So really, back and forth. that's I've pretty cool. As um, long as you know you're getting to the truth, because I'll tell you that the number one message I'm kind of getting right now, and and for those listening, you know, obviously I do a lot of traveling ministry, but yeah. I'm at home a lot more right now, doing a lot of things like this, FaceTiming with couples and and all the rest and everything like that. But it's middle aged women who are literally saying, "Hey, I've been." homeschooling the kids, but at this stage in my life, I've been reading Revelation and about the rapture and about the tribulation, wherever they sit in that theology. Right, it's right. amazing to me that people are just asking all these really serious questions about the time we're in. So yeah. I get all the work people are doing, but that's where I'm trying to go. Let's just get them focused on the gospel. If someone's listening today, guys, it's about Jesus and a real relationship. You might strive to fill your bookshelf like the things Dane has right here or I have over here. Right. You might feel called down to the skate park or the supermarket. You might feel called to be at home and pray. But the most important thing is that 
we do know Jesus. So anything else you want to cover? Because I know we got a little bit of time left or you're, you're hitting everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just a, a few more things. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wanted to cover was just to encourage know, people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because again, all this stuff, you know, I'm getting into some technical things. But the hey, this can go over people's heads. But I would hear this and go, "I want to know what he means." Right. The, the the point of all this is, I want people to be able to trust their scriptures because that's how we know Jesus. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit testifies to our uh, to us that the yep. scriptures are true, and thus we know Jesus. We encounter Jesus through the reading of the Word. We we pray, we seek God, the Holy Spirit communicates to us the truths that he wants us to know that he has inspired mm-hmm. in the scriptures for us. And so, you know, to, to not go into too much other technical stuff, I, I believe that the, the manuscripts were, were passed down at the time of the Reformation mm-hmm. when God brought his people out of captivity to the Roman Catholic Church, when the gospel was again clearly articulated. Obviously, there's people before that here and there, but yeah. on a massive scale where there was a revival that has never been seen yeah. before. Yeah, the gates of hell didn't prevail against the bride, the church. She continued, but that was a time where. And at that at that same time, when God is bringing the truth of the gospel back on a massive scale, massive revival. At that same time, the printing press was invented. These manuscripts were collated, put together, and Mm -hmm. published in printed editions. Many different people published these and printed these editions of the Greek New Testament and the Mm -hmm. Hebrew Scriptures. And then from that, translations were made into all the languages of Europe, all the major languages of Europe. So at the time when God is bringing the gospel back to the world on a massive scale, at that same time, the Bible is delivered. So it's going out. Right. I would see that as the scripture that God preserved, that he gave. And so all these modern things I would not see as having anything to do with Mm -hmm. that, especially when they remove things about the deity of Christ. They remove things about the Trinity. And you look yeah. at the history behind this. I mean, if people want to look into more, so we're not taking up too much time. Yeah, how do we do that? How does someone that's really interested in your stance on this, where do they go here from you? Yeah, I mean, I have a podcast with my church, Agros Church, uh, YouTube, you type in Agros Church, Dane Johansson, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, Agros Reform Baptist Church on our website. We've got tons of stuff. Uh, my good friend, Reverend Taylor DeSoto, has a, a blog called Young Textlist textless and reformed mm-hmm. where he goes into all of these issues. I yeah. Yeah. Instead of young, restless, young. Textless. Yeah. And so, I mean, to answer your earlier question, just, you know, to make it more practical for the people listening is, um, you know, you asked about the message or other translations, things like that yeah. Obviously, the message. I think anyone who knows anything about Bible translation or whatever, unfortunately, a lot of people don't, that's garbage, you know, to be, I'm sorry to be, so people are going to be opposed to that. I mean, oh, Eugene definitely. Peterson was great, amazing pastor. People right, love, sure the work he did, but yeah. some people are just not as far as translation, right? Right. I would not say that's an accurate Bible at all. You're not getting God's word when you read that you're getting maybe an interpretation or whatever, but it's not, that's not the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I would see the NIV as I think the, the underlying text it's translating from is, is a bad text that shouldn't be used. However, God's word is in there. Um, you know, I was saved reading an NIV. I was saved uh, for, for most of my ministry. I used an ESV and mm-hmm. ASB, things like that. I'm not saying if you use modern versions, you use these other texts, you're not saved. Or you well, you're just saying to go through preaching right. and teaching, you wouldn't use the message. Yeah. Obviously, oh, there's God. things in there that can take a point and emphasize sure. what it means, like an application. Maybe, I know yeah. in some of his breakdowns of First Corinthians 7, you know, he yeah. brings out great points that make more sense today. But yeah. you want to emphasize what the text itself is saying. So. Right, right. Yeah, I would not say that's a, that's a Bible. It's more like a commentary, I guess. And um, who knows what quality commentary it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, for the average person in the pew, you know, uh, your average Christian, a brand new Christian, 
trust your Bible. You can trust if you have an accurate translation of, I think, the most accurate text, the Textus Receptus. So if you use a New King James, a King James, you're getting, uh, I'd say, the full word of God. Now, if you're using an NIV, ESV, NASB, I believe that you're you know, cutting yourself short, but people are going to use what they're going to use. You mean even if you're using first. ESV, yeah. You're, yeah, you're yeah. cutting yourself short. Sure. I mean, that's, yeah. that's my position. So if mm-hmm. you want to learn more, you can. You yeah, can which is to tell stuff. people what you think. Yeah, so yeah. you would get more New King James Version, NASB. That's what you would say. I would say New King James, King James, and uh, MEV, any of the translations from the Texas Receptus. Mm-hmm. So anything that's translated from the modern Greek text, which would be ESV, NASB, NIV, I would recommend that to people. But I'm not saying if they use it, they're not saved, that they can't read and learn about God yeah. or, or experience Christ or be taught. That, that's definitely not what I'm saying, and I don't want to get that across at all. Yeah. Uh, my whole goal is to help people have confidence in the Word of God, and regardless of what they're reading, I want them to have confidence in the Word of God. Now, a translation needs to be accurate from whatever text it's being translated. Just because James White, I was trying to get him on right after you, but he hasn't called me back. So, right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even know James White. I listen to a lot of his stuff from time to time. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'll put so much random different stuff on. Right, but, right. you know, the need to people having these conversations, um, I'll jump into different translations. I'll go from every kind of thing. I'll read what the message says at times. I know most churches use the NIV. I came to faith with the New King James Version. Yeah. And NASB is popular. A lot of ESVs are very popular now with this pushback from the reform side. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, obviously with Wayne Grudem and Piper and even when Driscoll's church blew up, who's out by you guys now, right? Is he in Mesa or something? I, I, I view Arizona as like the land of broken internet toys. Really? It's but like isn't he, he planted a church though, right? Yeah, yeah, so Trinity Church. Okay. It's right well, I have a friend who just there. messaged me saying, I feel the Lord leading me out to Arizona. And I was like, I'm actually doing a podcast with a friend today and she's moving to Gilbert. Oh, wow. And that's where you are. So she will be getting a text after this to go hang out with uh, Dane and, and his new King James version possibly. So, so we covered a lot. I think we went about an hour or something, right? So anything else you want to let people know what it's on your heart before you just pray us out or. Yeah. I mean, Ultimately, you know, you can get in the wood. You can get in the woods about a lot of things. You can get in the thick of all sorts of doctrines, whether it be about the text criticism stuff I'm talking about, uh, Calvinism. You can get, you know, into New Age and all this stuff, defending the faith of apologetics. But again, you've stressed it, and I want to stress it as well. Mm-hmm. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about knowing God. All knowing all of this other theology, all these books I have knowing uh and this is dane's preferences this is what you've led in the journey anyone's going to take what you're saying with a grain of salt you should test everything i'm saying we should be berean because god's spirit's enough but he's given us the text i mean it's enough as far as we are saved by his spirit but we should dig into the text we should consider what a pastor should be speaking and saying so yeah i mean all this other stuff if it doesn't lead you to the feet of christ if it doesn't lead you close to christ is nothing Mm-hmm. it's folly it's foolishness it's mm-hmm. about jesus christ so we we study that we might know god better mm-hmm. we don't study to know more about god mm-hmm. and then that's the end goal you know at my church we we uh we push very heavily experiential faith meaning yeah. not just knowing a lot but experiencing christ uh in a more intimate way through the things that we know mm-hmm. uh, coming to him using these things as tools to to know him better and follow him Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that, that's the only thing I could, uh, you know, 
really close with on, on my <laughs> side is, you know, I mean, all this other stuff, great, but you know, you and I see eye to eye on that. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we study, we like all this stuff, you know, you do this podcast, I do mine we yeah. depth on all sorts of issues, but if it's not about Christ, it's, it's, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I say that affirm that because, you know, we can sometimes look at people with a different view of us and act like they're childish or immature or missing it but we don't yeah. know where we're going to be. I could go into something you're studying and run with it, but suddenly take a 10 here and you're like, whoa, why, why'd you end up there? I avoided that. So yeah. we can't look down on people. The goal is to have sound doctrine, but to have yeah. grace with that. And as yeah. long as no one's intentionally leading people astray yeah. or I'm pushing my emotions on people. I mean, there's things yeah. that time to time frustrate me. Not really. I know God's bigger than that, but I'm not going to sit here and go, well, now I'm going to go figure out exactly this, 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 and make that my war. You know, the guys who show up on Instagram and go, his name's not Jesus, you know, it's Yeshua. You know, he wasn't white. He was like Ethiopian or, you know, right. he looked more like this. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Right. I get that he was a rabbi. I get the language he was speaking. I get it. You're missing the point. Because then when they go into the Old Testament, it's like, we got to keep all the laws until they finish getting through the minor prophets and into the new. And they go, oh, wait a minute. Right. You're not a Levite, bro. Yeah. You're wearing the wrong kind of skin. And I heard someone say the other day that Jesus didn't fulfill the law the way they believed because he actually couldn't fulfill the role of a woman, a woman on a menstrual cycle. So what he was saying was, he's just talking about how he fulfilled it and who he is. It all point, and he was just making a point, people will find issue with everything, yeah. but the point is Jesus. He did come not to do away with it, but fulfill it, to live it, to show. So, well, why don't you pray us out? I'm, I'm waiting for it to turn off at any moment. We're trying this Zoom thing this new okay, way, yeah. so we'll see if it works out. But Wait, sweet. Pay for us, brother. Thanks, Dane. Yeah, of course. Lord God, we do come before you, Lord. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to talk um, on the internet, Lord, and that you could use it for your glory, Lord. We we ask, Lord, that you would use the gospel through this this time talking over the internet, Lord, that you might bring someone to faith through it, Lord, that your saints also would be encouraged and that other Christians would be encouraged, oh Lord, Lord, that you would use us in this in this weird time that we're in as a country and as even mm-hmm. as a world, Lord, to uh, spread your gospel, oh God, to to bring people to your son, Jesus Christ, and yes, cause Jesus. your people to know uh, your son, Jesus, more intimately, Lord, that he would be all in all in our life. He would be our yay and our amen, Lord. Mm. Um, God, we just ask for healing, for for truth, for uh, true practice, true doctrine to be spread throughout the land, O oh Lord, and use yes, people Jesus. like Brian, Lord. You bless this time uh, that we've we've dedicated to it, all of his efforts, O oh God, that you would bless him, Lord, and you bless the listeners. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And guys, so we just got a minute or so. I'll close out. But what you hear is two skateboarders lost, dead in sin, who came to faith in Christ. And the goal of this podcast is whatever unfolds um, at times sermons at times conversations but we hope and pray it touches you reaches you encourages you and as you know the main focus for me is missions marriages ministry not a lot of travel right now a lot of being home and engaging and doing things i'm going to be doing some weekly bible studies if not daily through instagram even today recording this with dane we're going to try and get it to be a video i can start putting those on the youtube channel and to find out more about me, BrianSumner.net. But guys, just be praying for us. Be praying for your neighbors. Be praying for yourselves. And we are that city, that light set on a hill. When you enter those towns, where do you look? To the city. Because that's the place of sanctuary. That's the place of comfort, even in a crazy world. But that's the light of the gospel. So the Bible says, as you heard today, 
that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us, if we're really in Christ, who've really been forgiven and set free, to us, it's the power of God on the salvation. God bless you guys. See you all. Hopefully share these messages. They encourage you. God bless. This has been brought to you by the One Story Podcast. Tonight, I have-